Welcome, everybody, to this edition of The Edge on 2XZone.com. I'm your host, Jason Frieda, joined today by legend of the ring, Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake, thanks for joining us today. So, Jake, when I think of Jake Roberts, I think of excellent psychology, both in the ring and on the mic. Now, do these things just come naturally to you, or was it something you had to work at early on in your career? Uh, as far as the mic skills, you know, it came naturally later on, but uh, don't kid yourself, man. The first time you're in front of a damn TV camera, you're going to freeze. You know, so, uh, but uh, as far as in-ring, yeah, that came from being able to learn from some of the best there ever was. You know, whenever uh, you're watching a Danny Hodge or you're watching a Johnny Valentine or these guys that really knew what they were doing, man. And uh, that's how you learn. And then you get in the ring with one of them. It's my God, you know, you, you have no idea what you're dealing with. And uh, it's just really pretty. It actually sucked because lots of times they just kind of like put you in holes and you didn't even know you had them. You know, they just move around and shit. And next thing you know, that they're selling the hole. You're like, what the hell? And you're, yeah, you just reverse it, kid. Oh, I did? Okay, no problem. <laughs> you know? Right. But that's how good they were, you know? Yep. And uh, that's, that's, that's the real soup there, man. So who would you attribute to, to being most instrumental in getting you into pro wrestling? person that's most instrumental in getting me into wrestling? Um... My father out of eight, you know, because uh, you know, he wrestled and uh, he didn't raise me. Uh, I'd see him, you know, once a year for 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, you know. And uh, like most kids, uh, you look up to your dad, especially when your dad's seven foot and weighs 400 pounds. <laughs> it was pretty easy to look up to him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I wanted him to be proud of me, you know. I mean, he never came to a baseball game or a football game or anything else I ever did. You know, even graduation, I was the first kid in my family to ever graduate high school, you know. And uh, I wanted to go on and be a, an architect when I go to college. And I went down and visited him in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And he just couldn't say he was proud of me, man. So uh, between alcohol, ignorance, and uh, youth, that uh, alcohol started talking to him one night when I was watching him wrestle. And, they told me, you know, if you want your dad to be proud of you, old job up in that ring and beat up on them old wrestlers. Through hell. That was a great idea, but it ain't the way it worked. <laughs> you know, uh, the old boy treated me pretty badly, man. Uh, he took his time doing it, too. He stretched the hell out of my ass. Man. And uh, I got back to the locker room. My father looked at me. He said, uh, you're gutless. I'm ashamed of you, and you'll never mount anything. Well, gee, Dad, it's not quite what I wanted to hear. And uh, from that point, I just decided I was going to become a wrestler and be better than he ever was. And uh, I spent the next 36 years trying to accomplish that. And all I did was uh, have a great career, no doubt. But uh, absolutely, I never got what I, I never got what I wanted out of him because he didn't know how to do that, you know. And I, I was just at fault as much as he was because, you know, you, you don't have the right to choose how somebody loves you, you know? If they love you, you gotta accept it and go on. Well, okay, so I was wrong. Gee, that was the only time. I think it's safe to say you did a heck of a job in the ring, that's for sure. Well, I enjoyed it, and, um, um, you know, 
growing up, I hated wrestling because to me, that's what kept my father away from me. You yeah. know, and um, that's not the truth, but I mean, that's the way it seemed. Uh, what happens is you get around this business, and gee, if you ever get a little bitty taste and understand just a little bit about what really is going on out there. I'm talking about the psychology and the uh, and just the whole thing, the whole package. You'll fall in love with it, man. You can't help it. I mean, it's, it's just incredible uh, the high that you get out there uh, for better, lack of better terms, I call it masturbating people's emotions. <laughs> there you go. That's what you're doing. You know, you're, you're taking them on a ride. You know, and uh, you make them feel good, but not real good. That's <laughs> sort of like making love. Hopefully, uh, you'll save that big pop to the end. Well, in 2011, you wrestled what was dubbed as your retirement match at the Wrestle Reunion. Yeah. So do you yeah. do you want to stay involved in wrestling still to some capacity? I would love to, except, uh, you know, it's just uh, not being offered the opportunity to. You know, I don't understand it. Um, I understand that people would be a little bit afraid of me from my, my history. But... Um, I think they're more afraid of me telling the truth, <laughs> you know, because uh, it's not what it was. It's not what it's supposed to be. Um, I would love to be involved. Uh, I would give anything to, to be back involved with it. But, uh, you know, I can't twist their arms and uh, I can't make them do what I want, you know. Yep. But uh, you'd think sooner or later I'd get the opportunity. I mean, for crying out loud. You know, uh, I've proven myself a million times. Yeah. You know, not only in my ability, but in my ability to teach people what to do. You know, and uh, that's what's needed today. That's that's the problem today. The problem today is uh, a guy was here in wrestling and he goes to a wrestling school, but the only problem is the wrestling school people don't know what the hell they're doing either. <laughs> You know, I mean, every every Joe Maloney in, in the world has a damn wrestling school now. Um, I mean, it, it really sucked towards the end whenever I'd go to these shows and um, uh, the guy tell him he'd been wrestling like my opponent in his 11 years. Well, how many matches have you had? Uh, 27. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> you know, and it's not their fault. You don't get an opportunity to learn that way. Uh, when Vince took over and... and, and basically kill off all the breeding grounds for wrestlers uh, the places where people could learn uh, that that was the beginning of the big slide and the slide's going to go deeper too um, because I mean at least you still got a few guys that are up there in the back that do know something about wrestling with steam mode and such uh, and, but that list is pretty short now yep and uh, what are you going to do when it's uh you know, Santino Morella talking about doing a, doing a damn match or whatever, okay. <laughs> you know, my, my thought was, I thought we were in wrestling, not comedy, and not, uh, you know, whatever, man. I mean, I understand it's entertainment, but for crying out loud, man. So it sounds like you do keep up with pro wrestling today, at least to some capacity. Not really, not unless I've done something bad. <laughs> if I do something bad, I'm forced to. That's my punishment. I have to watch two hours, three hours, or whatever. There you go. That starts the bedwetting bullshit again. So, you know, if you, I still love 
wrestling. I always love wrestling because if you've ever been a wrestler, there's no way you can keep from it, man. You have no idea. Again, I, I, I can't I can say this enough. Joy and the excitement of being able to go out there and make people do exactly what you want them to do. You can walk into the ring and they can be loving you. And before that match is over, you could have them want to cut your freaking throat. That's fun. Shut up, you know? Yep. Of course, I like going for that seat too, so what the hell? <laughs> so let, let me ask you a question. Let's say to a guy like a Santino Morella. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to a wrestler of today? Go to a good school. Go to somebody that's what they are doing. Um, more importantly, I'd probably say have something to fall back on because uh, today uh, careers are much shorter. Uh, and let's face it, it's not a business that's controlled by talent. It's controlled by those that pick you, you know? Right. Bottom line. Uh, there's been a lot of damn great wrestlers that never got the opportunity to do anything special. Um, there's a lot of people that were given the opportunity that should have never been given the damned opportunity. Example, Warrior. So, okay. let's talk about a guy that you were instrumental in, in helping along in the business, and that's Diamond Dallas Page. Talk about your relationship yeah. with Page. Well, the reason that really happened, we should like to know why that happened. Okay, I'll tell you. I was in Atlanta and uh, just uh, stood up with my second wife. And um, we're staying at the Marriott Hotel, which is not a real good idea. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, not was expensive, but uh, the bar's too close. And uh, bar major too close. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> he came to see me and he said, uh, you know, Jason, you've not met him before. You know, he managed and this and that. And he also had a nightclub down in uh, Fort Myers called the Norma Jeans. Yep. You know, and uh, I've been there a few times. And I like the guy, you know, got a long time with him. And, he came to me and he goes, what are you doing at this hotel? I said, man, this is where I live now, you know? Huh. <laughs> and uh, he's like, man, this is crazy. He says, uh, what would you charge me to teach me how to wrestle? Right. I'm like, Dallas, you're 38 years old, man. <laughs> it's a little late. He goes, yeah, that's what Rick Flair said to us. I said, wait a minute. Flair told you he couldn't make it? Yeah, he goes to all the same thing you're saying. Well, I'll change my mind and I will teach you. <laughs> yeah, because me and Flair don't get along. So that's the reason uh, it started. And then once it started, uh, he had me move in with him. And uh, uh, in between me losing the snake in his house and they had cats, it was a pretty bad deal. Snake uh, so got loose and got the walls. It was pretty, it was pretty bad. In fact, I just had to escaped for several days so she cooled off but uh, I stayed there till you know till he had it going and uh, I'm pretty proud of that uh, he's not the only one uh, the Road Warriors uh, Steve Austin Christ I mean there's Undertaker there's there's a list that goes on and on and on I mean <laughs> but, but my story was helping teach people I mean, my idea of having a good show is for every match to be great. Now, being great, being a great match does not mean 
that you uh, tear the house down every damn match and jump off the damn ladder onto your head and think free wrestling do that makes damn idiot. But if the show is great, how can we make it better? Well, we can make it better by that, that match that was before that one there. Uh, I need a little tweak in here, a little tweak in there. Well, then I would go help these guys and was proud to do it, was happy to do it. When I was the WWF, what was my job? My job was getting guys ready for Hogan. Right. Uh, whether it be a recruit, whether it be earthquake, whoever. Uh, I was the setup guy for Hogan. You know, and uh, that's just the way it was. And my job was to teach these guys. You know, teach them. When it comes to DiBiase, DiBiase never said a freaking word to me in the ring. He let me guide the whole damn thing. Why? Because he's not a freaking idiot. He might be a preacher, but he's not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, a guy that you just mentioned, Stone Cold Steve Austin, talk about that a little bit in your second go-around the WWF when you basically put him over in his ascent to superstardom. Well, he was up there, and I seen him. And uh, I'd always been happy with his mechanics and stuff when he was with WCW, but Stunning Steve wasn't going to get it done, okay? That stringy-ass blonde hair is only a hair worse than Hogan's. You know, and that's saying something. But um, that wasn't him, you know? Stunning Steve was not him. I've been around him enough to know that was not him. And that was not going to make him money. Right. So we started hanging out together, and... I started talking to him, and each night after his match, he would call me. If he was on the road, he'd call me back at the office the next morning. Hey, blah, 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 this is what happened. What could I have done differently? So I started getting into his head and teaching him more and more. Um, come time for him to do the thing with, um, uh, oh, gosh, what the heck was his name? Ryan Billman? Yep. So Macho Man Randy Savage, you guys were on WF Superstars yeah. in the early 90s, yeah. and you had that episode where you brought the Cobra into the ring and he took a bite yeah. out of Savage. 
Whose idea yeah. was that? Well, it was part of an idea. Uh, the best part of the idea was Dan using that tied to rope thing. You're helpless, you're stuck, and the snake is I, I got to tell you, I still get wood, man, when I watch that. <laughs> you know, I get excited. I'm sorry. Because it was freaking awesome, man. And to be in that building and hear those people. You know, there's, there's different guys. You can hear where people are laughing at you. You can hear where people are yelling at you. And then you get the most dangerous one. Quiet each Yep. When people get quiet, that means their fishing react in a very negative way if you're the point of uh, attraction there. Right. You know, and uh, to do that with Mach was great. Um, I had several great matches with Randy. So real quick, just as you look back on your career, if there was one moment that you could possibly pick out to say was your greatest memory, what do you think it would be? I don't know, man. That's unfair to say. I mean, I've had too many, I've had too many great moments, man, whether it be with Andre or with Honky Tonk or with DiBiase or with Lynn Denton, the grappler, or with Muhammad Ali. You don't even know about that shit. Muhammad Ali pushed me in the face six times and I would not go down. Jeez. <laughs> Definitely did a great job on the camera and for the fans, that's for sure. So, Jake, just before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to say to your fans out there? Sure, go to hell. No. <laughs> uh, get ready for my book, man. I'm about 600 pages into it. Uh, get ready for that. And uh, just uh, remember this. When you least expect it, you'll see me again. Excellent. And I'm not alluding that I'm going to be on Raw or anything. Even though I'd love to, but I have not been asked. Uh, why don't you go ahead and call Vince when we get on the phone today to book me? I think we're going to start that movement right now. All right, brother, do it. All right, well, Jake, I want to thank you for your time again and fans. Well, do it again sometime. Absolutely. Everybody be on the lookout right. for Jake's book, who's on the way out very soon, and we hope to see you on the circuit again real soon, Jake. 